Welcome to the Liberty Moms Show. Chris Kimball hosting today. Liberty Moms are the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their children, their family, and their communities. And Liberty Moms are proud to be part of the Loving Liberty Network. We love being with other like-minded individuals who understand the concepts of liberty and the idea that it is really up to us, um, the ordinary folks, serve liberty in our in our land, um, the moms and the dads um, stepping forward and really um, making their presence known. And that is needed more so than ever. And I'm excited to introduce my guest today, uh, Representative Phil Lyman, who is from the, I believe it's the Kanab area of the state, southern area of the state. But he wrote an op-ed and it was submitted to the Tribune and actually published for a few days before the Tribune um, decided that it didn't meet their standard. And it's kind of interesting because they're pretty, they're pretty good about um, looking at everything, comments, whatever. They, they really scrutinize everything that they, they publish. And so originally, the way your op-ed read, it was not offensive. It was actually very informative. And um, so I, I wanted to talk with Representative Lyman about this op-ed. I had a chance to read it yesterday because when I tried to go to the link, I, I couldn't read it. The Trib had taken it down. And, and so thank you for joining me today, Representative Lyman. And thank you for writing some, a piece of information to educate the public about an issue that is, is very um, in the focus of everybody right now no matter where they are on this transgender issue, it, it's in the public purview because of recent legislation and um, uh, what the NCAA has done. So thank you for joining us today. Yeah, Chris, it's good to see you and good to, good to talk to you. And um, yeah, the, the, the op-ed, when I put it up, I think it was up for three hours before they took it down. Oh, three hours. <laughs> and, and, and the thing about, the, interestingly, I worked for um, about two weeks with the TRIB, and they wanted a few things tweaked and changed. And they, uh, 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 George Pyle was was really really engaged on it and liked it, uh, you know, with with edits and things that he proposed. And so when when they put it up for three hours and then took it down, and and then my my assistant Brooke, she was trying to find out what's going on, and they they responded that it was transphobic and. It's like, well, it, it, it wasn't, <laughs> but, but that was the, that was the message that they responded to her. And I don't know, it was, it was kind of interesting, but it, but it, by, by putting it up and then taking it down, I think it got a little bit more, um, you know, attention and certainly some controversy around it that, that was probably not warranted. Like you said, it's pretty straightforward. And, and I felt like it was a, a genuine attempt to, to have a discussion about something that we should have a discussion about. Well, I, for one, 
was very involved in the, the process of HB 11, which um, just got overturned. There was a veto from Spencer Cox to um, overturn that particular bill, which created a ban um, that prohibited tra- biological um, males from competing with women or girls, girls and, and women. And so that was overturned in the legislature. And um, I had gone up and to the committee hearings and, and uh, it's not the original bill that came forward, but at the last minute um, on the last day of the bill, there ended up being a total ban, which is what we had originally looked for last year. So it's been an idea and an issue that's been vetted for a very, very long time. But what I found so informative with your article, because see, we were being told that there's nothing. If they don't, if they don't, if these men and boys can't compete with all going to go out and kill themselves because there's nothing for them. There's no other alternative. And you actually had alternatives, which I didn't, I wasn't aware of. In fact, I went and clicked onto some of these links and you talk about um, different leagues, gay, gay swim teams, gay leagues that are right here in Utah. So how did you find out about those? Well, just by doing just by doing some research, and I have I have friends that are part of the LGBT community and uh, good friends. Uh, uh, I've I've worked with some some really you know high quality trans um, kids that you know through throughout the years that I that I've had nothing but love and you know uh, compassion for and in their struggles. So so I, I talked to a few a few of them about. Uh, opportunities and and yeah, the one thing that I was not aware of was the uh, aquatics, the gay and lesbian aquatics, and that's a big deal in Utah. There's it's a it's very active. The gay games I was aware of, but it's interesting. I didn't know the the the, uh, the monetary side of the gay games. It's a big deal. They they bring in a lot of money. They they do a lot, and uh, and I think it could be expanded tremendously. So so if you if you back away from the uh, kind of the virtue signaling of, of on both sides that's happened that happens on these things and say, well, maybe, maybe we should talk about it in a non-emotional context. What are the opportunities here? And, uh, you, you know, whatever the final decision is, there's a lot of opportunities. There's some, some opportunities to, to participate, to expand. And, 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 <clears throat> you know, we, again, the virtue signaling kind of turns us in the uh, other direction, but you get these, uh, you know, Truly, these big-hearted billionaires who I think they are—I think they're sincere. I think they're compassionate, and uh, and it's like if you want to help, you know, you can have high school clubs. You could have a—you could have a trans league that has uh, no lack of funding, um, and, and and whatever whatever comes out of it, the the main message is let's talk about it. Let's let's have a let's have a discussion. Let's all come to the table and and talk about it. And that's the part that that I feel badly that the trib um, pulled it. I don't know if they're saying, you know, we don't, we don't want to actually discuss it. We just want to, we just want to virtue signal around it. I don't know. But, well, yeah, there are, it, there's lots of opportunities. Right. And see, <clears throat> it's interesting because when we were testifying against the bill, we were, we, I wasn't aware of these, of the gay games and this aquatic um, team um, for swimming. And, and so we were just giving out ideas that, gosh, there's co-ed leagues. There's co-ed teams where, you know, girls sign up to participate knowing that they're going to play 
and compete against guys. And so that's fine. If that's, and, and that's not connected to scholarship. That's not connected to um, uh, a competitive thing that would um, hinder their performance in another area. And so we were throwing that out because I wasn't aware that there were gay games. And that just makes so much sense. In fact, even with the whole Boy Scout issue from 2013, my, my thing was just create your own camp. Just create your own, you know, if you like the scouting program, if you want to be up in the mountains and do all of that, then create one that focuses on your niche. And just like the girls did their Girl Scouts, the boys did Boy Scouts, you can have the Gay Scouts. You can do your own thing. Instead, they, it was like, no, we have to go in and basically ruin what the Boy Scout program was, you know, because they just, it just wasn't the right approach. And so we want to make sure that our girls are protected. And this is such a win-win for everyone because those billionaires what that you referenced, Ryan Smith being one of them, who is very um, compassionate and leaning, you know, wanting to help this community, great, then why not support them in something that really um, uh, supports the whole transgender community, the whole gay community, and let them compete among them, themselves. And there's, their sites are open for everybody. I mean, I went to their website and they said, you know, or their Facebook page, and they're like, we're for anyone. If you want to come and learn how to swim, <clears throat> learn with our team. You know what I mean? And that's, that's a great solution, you know, that I see that could be looked at. But, of course, I don't think the Tribune is looking for a solution. Okay. And I found it so interesting because in your um, op-ed, you made the comment about, um, you know, they had to um, remove it because it it didn't match their um, criteria. And it's like, what, you didn't know what that criteria was before you posted it? Well, and it's, they say they don't, they don't like uh, referring to, uh, um, you know, trans women or trans males. It should be a trans person, but you go through their, all of their, um, you know, opinion pieces that they write themselves. And it's, uh, and, and yeah, they could have pulled that out at the beginning or said, hey, hey, would you change that? And, and we actually did go back after they said that and said, all right, well, we, we can, we can adjust that. Here's, here's the non-genderized version of, of those terms. And, and they still didn't want to run it. And, and, and I, I get that they had run it once and it was starting to turn into a, a sticky you know, yeah, situation, so but. But yeah, it yeah. was it was not trans, it was not transphobic by any means, and uh, and 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 they could have they could have pointed that out um, to start with. And even Lauren, in her tweet, she says the uh, she refers to it as the Lyman commentary has been removed after we listened to your feedback and others. So it wasn't based on what the Trib has had created as far as because you had actually met that level, you had right. met the criteria because they actually posted. The editorial yeah well <laughs> and the back once they started getting too much pushback right so so there's a narrative that's out there and um and uh the 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 left wants to control that narrative and and my my desire was not to control the narrative it was to actually engage in that narrative and say well could we could we you know in whatever context you want to have this discussion could we could we to have a discussion about it. Can we talk about this without the misinformation and all of the stuff? You know, when you go back to HB 11 and I was so disappointed when 
with the, with the governor's uh, comment to, to the end, I just want these kids to live. It's like that, that is, is so destructive to what should be a dialogue because we all want these kids to live. We all love them. We all care about them deeply. And, and we want them to, we, of course we want them to live, but he kind of was at, saying that like it's a mic drop moment. Like I, you know, that's the end of the discussion. I want them to live. Therefore I win the discussion as if we want them not to live. And, and things like that, there's just no place for it in, in good policymaking. And, and, and when you have the governor saying it, it's, it's, it's troubling. Of course, that was after, uh, after this uh, op-ed. But, yeah. right. Well, we've been, there's been a lot of things that have been very <clears throat> about our current um, governor. Um, he, again, he's relying on these sound bites. And as you pointed out, that's to end the discussion. Like, I have the moral high ground. Right. Your virtue signaling. Um, is been his mode of operation without really bringing forward the facts. And the other thing I thought was interesting is that they had, when you, you posted a link to Planned Parenthood <laughs> after mm-hmm. they were telling you that the term transgender was transphobic. <laughs> yeah. I to talk about this without laughing because it's so ridiculous. But yeah. you can't use the word transgender, but yet Planned Parenthood has a whole article about transgender identity terms and labels because it's a totally okay term to use. And yet she used that as her reason for saying your article was transphobic. You know, um, the, the state uh, paid for a big study on transgender kids and LGBT and suicide and, and the results that, came back, you know, showed that, uh, um, well, they weren't conclusive. And that was, that was the opinion of the, of the persons. We can't, we can't draw a conclusion. And it was a prominent LGBT member that did the study and, and said, especially with our trans kids, we can't, we can't draw a conclusion on this. Um, and, and the fact that you've got, going back to HB 11, the fact that you've got, you know, hun- several hundred thousand young girls who are competing in, in sports uh, and, and want to compete in sports and a handful of trans kids who, again, who we care about and, and want them to participate in whatever ways they can participate. We just don't want boys that can, you know, beat up on girls. And, I, and, and it is really that simple. And the, uh, the narrative that it's, that it's so much more complicated than that, you know, I'm not a biologist. I can't say things like that. Uh, it, it follows this, like, like I think you alluded to this national narrative, these talking points that could we, could we just drop the, the talking points and have, have the, the, the honest debate about, about how to, to deal with boys who want to compete on, against girls. Cause that's what it comes to, you know, with the uh, Leah Thomas thing, that's, that's not a, uh, I, I would have to say that's not a preference. That's, that's a boy who wants to win races and, and so he's racing against the girls and, and, and destroying records and all those things. It's really not fair. It's just so not fair. And, uh, and, and, and that's, that's maybe a separate issue from the gender dysphoria or, uh, or, or whatever, whatever we want to refer to, to that other, you know, other thing. That, so two different discussions. That's selfishness. Cause that's what I look at. It's like, he is looking at, you know, where's the best place for me to compete? Because I'm like 470th in the men. And gosh, if I just move over and, and this whole issue has made it okay. Like I just need to, 
identify that way. And it is a big, it is a big thing. Um, in your article, you mentioned there's a global survey that found that 94% of um, senior female executives played competitive sports. 94% of women who go on to become um, in the business world and to become leaders were in a sports team, were on a sports team, competed, perhaps got scholarships, whatever that looked like. But that's, that's an important factor that needs to be considered and not be diminished or um, excluded from because um, we can see that that has made a big difference for women. I'm, I'm, I was uh, way old. Um, like when I grew up, there was no Title IX. So I had to do neighborhood or church ball or um, just kind of local um, sports. There wasn't anything organized for me when I was growing up. Uh, and so I want the idea that, and again, you know, this even goes beyond the playing field because as soon as you um, allow this to happen, it opens the door for girls having to room with biological boys. And that's what this team, this NCAA team has to deal with is, is Leah is still a biological male. He's got all right. his parts. And so they're in a locker room with him. I don't want my granddaughters being subject to that. <clears throat> And, and the and the uh, issue is forced into the the public debate that um, unnecessarily, and that really is again that's the, that's the whole objective. It's not it's not a debate about that specific issue. It's how dare you you know not embrace this uh, this this new concept. And I, I, again, you know, with the um, oh, with the governor's um, uh, comments about. Uh, uh, what did he say? Never have I seen so much hate uh, directed by so many at so few. And it's like, why would you call that hate? Why would you call it yeah. hate to say, you know, that, that we care about, we care about the institution of, of girls sports. So things like that, again, yeah. lots of, lots of frustration. Every time you turn around, lots of frustration. And, and, and in my mind, as, as I looked at the opportunities, as I went, as I went through this op-ed and, research these things i honestly got kind of excited about the uh, possibilities it's like hey we could we could not only you know take care of this group of people but we could really expand these these things in utah and and uh, it's kind of exciting honestly to think about it right because in your op-ed you talked about the idea that okay this is where we are and but what could we do in this next interim session because now that the session is over you go into your <clears throat> monthly meetings but maybe you can be doing, you know, having a discussion that actually has real solutions instead of, well, it's got to be this way or that way. Right. You know, it's this way. And if it doesn't, then everyone will die. And <clears throat> the thing is with the, with the whole trans issue, the transgender issue is I've had a couple of former um, trans women. So men who wanted to be right. women for a while, <clears throat> one even went through surgery, but um, Al Hire is um, one name, for example, and he has a ministry now trying to help these people, but it's, they're not happy after they transition. That's not necessarily the answer that they were thinking, the solution to, to what they were seeking. And so um, <clears throat> there, there needs to be some support for these people, but there also needs to be a place where a lot of these kids can just have a, a pause for just a minute and I know there's many in the trans community that would agree with this. 
that children are just not at a place to make this kind of life-changing, life-altering decision with their bodies. <clears throat> and, and so, again, Utah hasn't addressed that. We tried to, but it hasn't mm-hmm. addressed. But, you know, the idea that children are making a decision about their bodies when they mentally um, matured. Yeah. I think that's a really tough thing um, uh, for, I think that we, we need to let them become adults before they decide to um, take drugs that um, would stop them from having children or mutilate their bodies through surgery or whatever. But again, that's, that's a whole nother discussion. But I love the idea that you wanted to go forward in the interim session and perhaps maybe look at funding that can maybe be used for athletes right yeah yeah well um i think there's a kind of an element to this that maybe it's the straw that breaks the camel's back or something that people see that maybe to expose the ones who are the loudest on the other side are not genuine they're not truly looking for solutions like the salt lake tribune it's like uh so so my op-ed was not calculated to to um trip them up or anything like that but it it it, it kind of achieved that purpose of apparently they're not genuine in their, in their advocacy. They ha- they are playing a different game under the guise of, of this and spreading misinformation, trying to push policy under the guise of caring when apparently they don't care. Right. Yeah. We're seeing that those that want to control the narrative and control the speech are just the ones that are actually sharing and creating the misinformation that's out there. Unfortunately. Yep. Yep. And so sure. I'm hoping that, people will wake up to that. Now, if they wanted to get, um, read your op-ed, do you have it posted on a website or on your, um, on a Facebook page or something so that we can send people? Um, Cause not everybody's on your email list. That's how I got it. But how would they access that? Um, yeah, I do have a link to it on my website. Uh, Lyman for Utah, F O R. I think that's what it is. I think it's yeah, LymanforUtah.com. And there's a there's a link to it there and and a lot of comments that have been coming in on it, which are really, really eye-opening, really insightful comments um, about again, honest people expressing genuine, uh, thoughtful answers to this. And it's and I'm I'm enjoying the the response that I'm getting. There's a few people that are, you know, again, using the talking points and and virtue signaling, but most of, most people are, are thankful to have, I don't know, to have a discussion that you can't talk about actually being talked about. I hope it continues. Yes, I do too. Representative Phil Lyman, thank you for your op-ed. Thank you for putting the thought into this. And it's a difficult issue, difficult issue. So I want our listeners to know that they can go there, get more education and uh, spread the word that there's other solutions than what we're being told in the mainstream media. So good luck with your race. Thank you. And thanks, um, and thanks for all you do, Chris. You do such a great job and I appreciate your, I went and listened to a few of your, your um, episodes and you do such a good job. So thank well, you. Thank you. All right. Got to take off. Thanks again, Representative Lyman. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye.
Welcome back to the Liberty Mom Show. Chris Kimball hosting today. And today is Good Friday. Now, we record early, so um, to give you some context, by the time you hear this, Good Friday is already going to have happened. But I just wanted to um, kind of talk about Good Friday and talk about the, uh, the author of Liberty, who is our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we really don't have liberty without him in the narrative. And um, it was interesting because the New York Times, which we know is not a very, um, let me pull up the right tab here, but the New York Times is not a conservative um, publication by any means, right? And so it was kind of interesting that today of all days, Good Friday, which is the, the Christian holiday that is observed around the world where they um, look at the um, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ at, at Golgotha. And, and again, it starts the three-day holy weekend of the crucifixion and then, of course, the resurrection on Sunday. And so today the New York Times decided that they would publish a guest essay that was heavily criticizing God on Good Friday of all days. Isn't that just a great day to just publish something that just totally attacks our, our creator? And Shalom Aslander composed a piece insisting that this Passover, we should stop paying attention to God, that we should pass over God. That's, that's what would help us the most in the world. He said, in this time of war and violence, of oppression and suffering, I propose we pass over something else. Let's pass over God. He claims that God is hateful. He's full of brutality. And if he were mortal, if he lived today, he would be dragged before the Hague. Okay. He criticized God whose wrath and plagues harnessed against the Egyptians during the original Passover story from the book of Exodus remind him of what the Russians are doing to the Ukrainians right now. So that that's his analogy. I'm not even going to get into any more of it than that. I don't even want to give him any more press than that. But just realize that the New York Times is just ready to pass over God and thought that today was a good day to start that. So as we, um, as we get into uh, this particular look of Christianity, which is Good Friday, I wanted to, to kind of look at the concept of Again, as I mentioned earlier, where there is liberty, there is Christ. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a scripture, but he is our source of liberty because he's all about agency. He's all about you making your own um, decisions. And there are consequences for everything you do. There could be good consequences and there can be bad consequences. And that is the law of, 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 of agency that is enveloped in our in our in our earth, where we live today, is this law of agency. It's it's even a law that God himself has to honor. And so a lot of times bad things happen, but it's not because of God. It's because of decisions and choices that men, man, a man could make or men could make, okay, conspiring men. And so um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, we are in a time when we're getting ready to look at the Savior and to honor him, and rightly so, on the resurrection that's coming forward on Sunday. But, um, but do we really have him in our hearts? 
Do we really think about our Lord Jesus Christ on a daily basis? Or is it just, gosh, it's Easter, better better go to church on Sunday. There's that two times a year where the Christian world really goes out and uh, decides that we better go to church on Christmas and on Easter. But do we actually, as Christians, if you claim to be a Christian, do you really have do you really have Jesus in your heart? That's that's the question. Is he is he really someone that you really look to for solutions to your problems, or are you looking to man? Are you looking to a, a government agency? Are you looking to a governor or a president or a church leader to solve your problems, or do you really look at the Lord Jesus for doing that? And the example I want to use is David. David is somebody who had who had been a servant to the Lord, but he also had enemies, like Saul, for example. Saul the king tried to kill David numerous times. And in Psalm 18, David writes a he writes a psalm to the Lord. He wants to give him gratitude. And he's he spake these words to the Lord. On the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And so he understood that the only reason why he was spared and saved was because of the Lord. It wasn't because of some doctor in the NIH or some doctor at the CDC or someone at church or some president or whatever. He knew it was God who had preserved him. And in Psalm 18, it reads, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is his strength. It says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust. My buckler or shield is what that means. My shield and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so shall I be saved from mine enemies. So there's only one that's really worthy to be praised, only one, and that is our Lord Jesus, the one who came down and overcame the bonds of death, who was crucified and resurrected and took upon the sins of this world. And so he's the only one worthy of our praise. And But, but are we living that way? Are we truly taking what he has taught us and put it into our daily lives. And, and so that's kind of where I want to go with this today. I, I really love Matthew 15. And Matthew 15 teaches us so much about how we can maneuver better in the world that we live in today because we live in a world of hypocrisy, okay? And if you listen to the first segment, then you would have really seen how hypocritical the Tribune is in trying to delete information that would actually help the discussion with transgender students and and girls' sports. Instead, they just shut it down and called the article transphobic. And so if you haven't didn't get a chance to listen to the first half of the program, be sure to go back and listen to that. But in I love um, what Jesus teaches us in Matthew 15. 
And I'm going to read from the Passion Testament, which is a gift. Um, someone had just given me this. And, and so it's a different translation, but sometimes that's a little bit easier for us to understand. And in 15, it reads, Then the Pharisees and religious scholars came from Jerusalem and asked Jesus this question. Why do your disciples ignore the traditions of our elders? Why don't they wash their hands before they eat bread? So they're super worried that he's broken one of their rules because that's what the Pharisees and the scholars are all about. You need to follow the rules. If you follow the rules, that's how you get saved. That's how you can reach God after you die is you need to follow our rules. And Jesus answered them and said, why do you ignore the commandment of God because of your tradition? So he's calling them out on their hypocrisy because they've, have, they've created these new traditions. For God has told you to honor your father and mother, and whoever abuses or insults his mother or father must be put to death, according to the law at that time. But the Pharisees were teaching something different. They were saying, you know, it's permissible to say to your parents that if they have a financial need, that whatever gift that you would have been able to give them, you can't give them that because you've dedicated that to God. So basically what they were saying is, you know, as long as you dedicate something to God, you don't have to help your mother and father out, okay? Which was totally um, ignoring one of the Ten Commandments, which Jesus had given the, the Christian and the Jewish, the Jewish world to live by, okay? So he said, this doesn't honor your father or mother, and you have elevated your tradition above the words of God. And so I think that's an important thing to remember, is that are we letting the traditions of men become more elevated than the concepts that we are taught about God and his creation, that he has really created two genders. He's created man and he's created woman, right? A male and female. But are we, um, are we elevating traditions of men now above that? Okay. That's something for us to look at. Um, he went on to say that Isaiah perfectly described the hypocrites that they were, because Isaiah says, these people honor me only with their words, for their hearts are so very distant from me. They pretend to worship me, but their worship is nothing more than the empty traditions of men. So they draw near to me with their lips and with their words, but their hearts are far away. It's like they're strangers to him. And so, again, are we truly following, and if we made Jesus part of our heart, is he in our core being, or are we getting caught up in following what men are telling us to think, okay, and how to behave, and, and what does kindness really look like, and what does love really mean? Do you really need to have a mask on your face to show people that you love them, right? I mean, that's, a, that's not what we've been taught, right? And so he goes on and he um, says to the, uh, the, the, the disciples were still not clear with what he meant. And he said, even after all that I've taught you, you still lack understanding. And he's already gone over this concept in the Sermon on the Mount. He's already talked to them about, you know, committing adultery doesn't begin with the act itself. It begins with that lust in your heart. You have an impure thought or feeling coming from your heart. and that. Um, killing itself is initiated by anger, anger that you have inside of you. 
And so this is what he wants them to learn. He said, it is hard to understand that whatever you eat enters the stomach only to pass out into the sewer. So they were talking about, gosh, you need to wash your hands because if you don't, you've got this unclean food that's going into your body. And he's going, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you put into your mouth. But what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. That's what matters, what comes out of your mouth, not what comes in. It's just going to go through your body and end up in the sewer. And he says, you will find living within an impure heart, evil ideas, immorality, murderous thoughts, adultery, um, sexual immorality, theft, lies, and slander. That's what pollutes a person. Eating with unwashed hands doesn't defile anyone. So Jesus is teaching us a huge principle and concept that we need to understand today is what's inside of us. That's what we need to change. It's not, and again, of course, the act itself is bad in and of itself, but it's where it originates, and it originates in our heart and in our mind. And so we need, that's where we we start the repentance process, is changing how we feel and addressing that while it's inside of us. And so we've lost that now in our current narrative. We've kind of lost the idea. In fact, we've, we've celebrated that whatever you feel is okay. There's no rules as far as you're feeling. And whether it's, it's healthy or unhealthy, it's okay if you feel that way. And, and Jesus is teaching us differently because there are, if we're following his laws and his principles, then we, we need to make sure we address those um, when we, we have that in our heart. And so the other place that we want to learn about a pure heart is in scripture that we have in the LDS doctrine. We have doctrine and covenants in section 112. It's very interesting because again, the Lord is teaching us that it's our hearts that are the most important thing. And repentance is just a matter of changing direction. You change and look away from what Babylon is telling you and follow what Christ is teaching, okay? And so in DNC 112, for example, in verse 23, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, darkness covereth the earth, and gross darkness the minds of the people, and all flesh has become corrupt before my face. And so, you know, gosh, we're all in the flesh, and we all are imperfect. We all have our own issues that we need to work through to become pure and to become one with Christ. And so that is, that's the state of the nature we're in because we're on this earth and it's covered in gross darkness. We have Satan who is controlling what's going on in this planet right now out of default. He's been sent to this planet and he is, he is the ruler at this moment. And so there is a gross darkness that covereth the earth and that's going to affect our judgment. It can affect our inspiration and our guidance. And so we have to realize that we have to seek the Savior in getting out of this darkness. In verse 24, it says, Behold, vengeance cometh speedily upon the inhabitants of the earth, a day of wrath, a day of burning, a desolation of weeping, mourning, and of lamentation. And as a whirlwind, it shall come upon all the base of the earth, saith the Lord. So there's vengeance because 
the only reason why there's a vengeance is because we're not honoring his law. We're not following him. And upon my house shall it begin, and from my house it shall go forth. First among those among you, saith the Lord, who have professed to know my name and have not known me. Again, he's referring back to that prophecy of Isaiah. They talk about me, but they don't know me. And have blasphemed against me in the midst of my house. And in verse 27, he says, Therefore, see to it that ye trouble not yourselves concerning the affairs of my church in this place, but purify your hearts before me. So the Lord is telling us right there, purify your hearts before me. How do you do that? Well, David wrote a song and dedicated it to the Lord. In Psalm 18, he sat down and composed a song and praised the Lord and gave him credit, giving him the credit of being the rock, the fortress, the high tower. Think about it. The the Lord is the only one that knows past, present, and future. You want him to be your high tower. He's the one that can, he knows what's going to happen in the future. He would be the best high tower for us to to look up to. And he is our shield. Imagine every day going into the world, this world that is full of gross darkness, and you have the shield of the Savior, that pure white light of truth. He is your shield. And think about that. If we could, and honestly, this discussion is more for me than for anyone, because I'm always having to correct myself and bring me back to the idea that, you know, have I talked to the Lord about this? Have I asked him for his guidance in this, in this situation, in this question, in this problem that I have, or am I just trying to figure this out myself? Am I just thinking that I know all that I know enough? No, I need, I need his insight. I need his high tower position. I need his strength. I need his rock and his perspective in in order to in order for me to know what is best what direction I should take. And so that is kind of where I wanted to go today is a self-reflection on on who we are as Christians, on who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Is it something we do one day a week? Is it something we do on Sunday? Is that when we take the time to think about Jesus and what he taught us, or have we incorporated the teachings of Jesus Christ into our heart and that we are thinking about him all the time and asking for his guidance and his protection and his his view and his um, wisdom that he could give us if we simply just ask him. He won't force it on you. He honors our agency. And so we have to ask him. And, And that is where I was going today. And it was interesting because as I brought on Representative Lyman earlier and pulled out the hypocrisy of what the Tribune did with his op-ed that addressed an important, important issue that's going on right now in our communities, in our state, and in our country, and in the world, is what do we do with these um, individuals who are identifying as a different gender? What do we do? How do we address that? And uh, Representative Lyman had come up with some great solutions and um, taking this in a different direction. And he was 
his op-ed was shut down after three hours on the Tribune. And so there was a lot of hypocrisy hidden in what the Tribune was trying to um, treat as misinformation. In fact, they're the ones that are doing the misinformation. And that's the, the hypocrisy that we see in our world today, the same hypocrisy that Jesus Christ was dealing with when he was on the earth. And so that is where I wanted to go with this. I wanted us to just stop and reflect about um, what does Good Friday mean? What does the resurrection mean? And are we truly Christians if we're only looking at Jesus Christ one day a week? And that might be good compared to other Christians who only think about him twice a year. Okay, we might think, gosh, I'm doing pretty good. I, every, I go to church every Sunday. I'm taking time out. But it's a daily thing for us to um, have him in our life and have him make an impact where he really is our salvation. And uh, we saw that um, during COVID, that was definitely a time when we needed his inspiration, his guidance. And what happened during COVID? We were, we were cut off from worshiping from gathering together and 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 accessing him as a group which we know it's important because he talks about it when two or more of you are gathered in my name there I am in the midst of you and we were cut off from gathering and that has had a very very negative effect on our on a lot of people in our society those that are dealing with depression it escalated it more we had higher suicides we had more disconnect than ever in our children with school and interacting with families. And so we know that we have to have him as our constant rock and our, our fortress and our, um, as our, as our shield in this world that we live in. And so um, if you missed the first um, segment, representative Lyman has his, um, op-ed published or a link that will take you to his op-ed and it's lyman4utah.com and so you can go there and uh, you can read that op-ed. It was very informative. It had um, some good insights about what we can do to help address the issue of transgender sports and, and how we can accommodate those people. I personally think that we need to get to the root of the problem and the root of the problem is why are you feeling that way? We're not asking that question. Why all of a sudden do you feel like you're not the gender you think you are? Is it something that's been, um, is there a seed that's been planted from a teacher in a classroom, from a friend, or have you had a, um, a bad experience? Was there abuse? Was there... What is causing this need to feel like you're not in the, in the gender that you were assigned at birth, that you don't have that? Because um, during the legislative session, when I went up to testify on HB 11, which was the bill that um, protected the girls in Utah, girls sports, so that biological boys can't participate, um, in that particular bill, I went to the NIH, the National Institute of Health, which is a government agency that was heavily relied upon during COVID. And in there, it talked. they talked about the idea that your gender is at a cellular level. It's in your cells. Every cell of your body designates that you're either male or female. You're either XX or XY. 
And so this idea that you can surgically remove things or add things or take a drug to stop your hormones does not change the fact that you really are the gender you were assigned. And so um, it's a complicated issue and it's something that we all need to get more educated on. But uh, I would highly recommend um, going to Representative Lyman's um, website and uh, learning more about how we can help those, but also taking into heart what Jesus has taught us. And that can solve a lot of our problems. So thank you for joining me. And we'll be with you again next time on the Liberty Moms podcast.